enter the world of Holi, Reb Brown, and so many heroes named Steve. 80s Action Movies on the Cheap is filled with insightful reviews about the films made during the decade that gave us big hair, shoulder pads, and yuppies. This book is an excellent guide through the action movies that didn't quite make blockbuster status, or in some cases, any status at all. Written with wit, good humor, a definite fondness, and minimal spoilers, this book is a must-have for film lovers. 80s Action Movies on the Cheap by Daniel R. Budnick is available now at Amazon and McFarlane Books. Hey everyone, it's Dan. Welcome to Adventure Super Train, episode 130. You may uh, recognize that. I used to play that quite a bit, That what you just heard that was preview for my uh, um, uh, for my third book, or promotion, commercial for my third book, 80s Action Moves and the Cheap, made up by the great Rustin Will Power Shannon, with, uh, you might recognize that voice, that would be Kristen, a.k.a. Kiki Wrights, um, doing the voice there. Uh, that book came out April, May 2017, when the show had been going for a little under a year. And uh, I played that all over the place to promote the book. I hope some of you bought the book because of that. Wouldn't that have been cool? But anyway, welcome to the sixth anniversary show of Eventually Super Train, a short-lived TV show podcast. We cover short-lived TV shows uh, one episode at a time. Three three shows at a time, one episode at a time. And eventually we will cover Super Train. We're not covering Super Train in this episode. Yeah, we started July 4th, 2016. Uh, very different time. <laughs> Oh uh, yes, and and we we've been going we've been going strong ever since then. We've covered we've covered in full over twenty five shows, ranging from um, cliffhangers and Beyond Westworld, Journal of Chach and Cobra, to uh, Green Hornet and Search and Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and um, the eighties Nero Wolf and. Uh, Auto Man and and Planet of the Apes and you yeah Manimal we did the police we did a lot we did a lot Future Cop uh, and so I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna a little reminisce a little bit in the uh, sort of interstitial bits of this episode because we've got we're starting off with some Gold Monkey chat and then Galactica chat and then Middleman chat so that's that's the main plan for this but uh, I, 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 I do want to say thank you to all the folks who have joined me um, uh, on this show over the past six years I think it's been fun I think I think it's been a, it's been a fun ride and we've given given love to a lot of shows that um, uh, were kind of forgotten. Not, not all of them, a few of them, sort of. I, I always use The Immortal as the example um, that I don't think anyone knew what The Immortal was. And then, what, two-thirds of the way through my uh, uh, reviews of the, the show, it uh, came out on DVD. You know, and then that's happened with other shows, too. I mean, the Kolchak Blu-ray set came out ha- halfway during our Kolchak chat. And um, Jody Love Chachi came out right around the same time we started Jody Love Chachi. So, uh, so some of these shows are getting the love. Some are, some are still not. Some are still um, pretty obscure. Uh, but I think we've um, we've been nice to the shows, and they've been nice back to us. So it's been a fun, it's been a fun trip. But we still got, we hopefully we get another six years. We got plenty of shows, plenty of shows. So let me let's dive right in. Let me let you let them let us let's dive right in. Some folks are waiting on the other side here, and I'm going to um, let's see. I'm going to give you a, a little bit of. Thank you. 
right, Tales of the Gold Monkey, everybody. Episode, what is this? Episode 8, Honor Thy Brother. Uh, directed by Mike Vijar, November 24, 1982. Story by, I'm getting this right, Jeff Ray and Danny Lee Cole. Teleplay by Jeff Ray and Danny Lee Cole and Bill Driscoll and George Geiger. And in this one, well, it starts off with with uh, Jake getting involved in it back back when he was a he was a he was a pilot and he was a, he was a fighter, um, uh, one of the Tigers getting involved in a shootout with two Japanese um, planes um, with brothers in in them, but one brother and one one brother and the other, and he shoots one of the brothers down, and the other brother vows vengeance against Jake. And the episode uh, kind of goes along. A bunch of different things happen. Uh, Jack finds his eye, which is which is on like the necklace of a German officer visiting monkey the monkey bar and the the island. Um, Corky accidentally gets well. He doesn't accidentally. He 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 gets involved in an arranged marriage with like um a guy from an island, sort of, and um, thinks he's marrying the super cute thin daughter, but is actually marrying the the big daughter who eats a lot and cries a lot, and that's a little unfortunate. Um, and he wants that to end, and as Jack is trying to get his glass eye back and Corky's worrying about this arranged marriage, there are a couple weird attempts on Jake's life, and the whole thing culminates with him going to this island where the daughter is from to kind of return the daughter and discovering that someone is waiting for Jake. Oh, boy. One of the fun things with this episode, and this is, this is kind of inadvertent, but the three segments kind of represent three kind of different types of segments we have on the show. And this one is one where you will hear it very quickly when Kristen begins to talk, where sometimes you love an episode, sometimes an episode's okay, sometimes an episode isn't good. But then sometimes you watch an episode and you think it should be great, and for some reason it isn't. And it's very tough to explain why. And this has happened before. It's happened before uh, with Tales of the Gold Monkey, the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the bomb episode is it black pearl i forget which episode that was um and it's happened before with other episodes where we watch it and we're like this should be great why isn't it and then we kind of get lost in the miasma of what the heck is happening in the episode so so it's kind of fun because that's that's what this one is it's us trying to work around what well i'll, I'll let you hear it i'll let you hear it let me give you a little burst of the uh, ellery queen blast the bomb bomb and chris and i are on the other side honor thy brother Another episode of Tales of the Gold Monkey. Welcome to Monkey Chat. We're here with myself and the great Kristen Hawes. Kristen, how are you? You know what? I'm feeling rather festive. I think it's because there's an anniversary happening right oh, now. Oh, my god! Happy gosh. anniversary, hey! Dan. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, six years of this thing. It's been, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been great. You've been here for quite a bit of it, which is, yes. which is fun. So, but I'm, it's... I'm so grateful. Yeah, hey, yeah, we had a good time. I think I, I like to think everyone on here has had a good time, and if they haven't, they kind of shut up about it. So, which is which I'm good with. So, um, but I, I think like the people I've had on the last few years um, have been generally repeat people, apart from Chris, obviously on Battlestar Galactica. But uh, so I figure if you if you want to come back, that means you're enjoying it, or you think you're getting paid. <laughs> That's not happening. Sorry. Um, but thank you so much. Yeah, and we're we're here with. Uh, I I I, um, I was gonna say. Um, I don't think any of the. Uh, well, the Battlestar Galactica episode might be a sort of almost very special episode ish, but um, none of the others are. 
like uh, this is Honor Thy Brother is uh, well you t- tell me what, what do you think of, of this one Honor Thy Brother written by like 18 people um maybe they needed 19 um, <laughs> it's it's an okay episode it's it's one of those things where it's like I can appreciate the elements that went into it and how the story was supposed to work mm. but the actual execution of it didn't really thrill me and I feel like it was kind of a waste for Suntecho whom I love so so very much so it's it's a bit lackluster I guess for yeah. me what do you think of it? Something's a little off about it. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is. Um, uh, and, and when I watch it the first time, and you know, he meets up with the um, the, the the brother to um, engage in the death fight with the dog, death dog fight with. When I saw him, I am um, even though you see kind of a guy putting on a headband at one point and stuff. Um, I I'd, I'd sort of completely forgotten he was there. He was going to be in it, and so when I saw him, I was like, oh, that guy. Oh, and then I was, I was like, oh, I get it. Oh, okay. And I thought, huh. Eh. <laughs> okay, well, let's see where this goes. And then I kind of had the final dogfight scene. It was like, okay, I don't know. I mean, all I mainly remember is, um, you know, uh, Corky's not wife who <laughs> cries a lot, really loud. That's the main thing I remember. And it's just it really it really does feel like if you're not paying attention, it feels like a almost like um a random vignettes episode or something rather than like a strong episode moving forward. And uh, it had a tough time keeping my attention. And then and then the second time I paid more attention, I was like, okay, now I got it. But that I didn't really like it more. I just got it. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I said, you could see what they were doing because they have the the whole thing about Suntecho is seeking vengeance because um, Jack became, or Jake became an ace by shooting down his brother. Mm-hmm. And, which obviously, now there's this vent code of vengeance thing that Suntecho is going for, and so he sends, like, warning, he sets up warning booby traps. So mm-hmm. there was the, the fangless cobra that we thought bit the dog and mm-hmm. I was gonna riot, but he was <laughs> fine. And then um, there was the really elaborate one that had him strung that had uh, yes <laughs> jake strung that was up the rube goldberg kind of one yeah. <laughs> it was it was great so you had all of that going on and only louis knows about it and then you have this what you think is like a humorous b story happening with quirky uh ending up married to the guy's daughter you know word of mouth you know through word mm-hmm. and they're having to return her and then you realize when you they get to that island oh this whole marriage thing was all an elaborate ruse just to get jake to that island so he could fight soon tech oh and it's like okay i see what you're going for <laughs> and it's kind of it's clever in theory mm-hmm. but the actual practice of it is just no it just doesn't work. Yeah, it's a, and I, I wonder if we had watched it with commercials, would it be kind of even worse? With oh like, God, yeah. L- like, could could you imagine like every every twelve minutes or so, like two or three minutes of commercials getting in our way, and by the time we start up again, we're thinking about beer and trucks and and, and <laughs> candy. Uh, would they have shown candy? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. What do I know? What, I, what they would have shown? But um, yeah, it's it's um. It, it it really it 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 really does feel. I think you, this again. This is one of those that has a story by two guys, and then teleplay by those two guys and someone else and someone else. So I it really does feel like 
like maybe the original script written by those two guys was made maybe a little more straightforward or something. Maybe, yeah, I feel like you know they would have they would have. Um, uh, Stinky Lewis. I'm sorry, I have it playing here and, 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 and the, the wall. I guess with all the guys in the um, in the, in the, uh, the the flying guys there, there's a guy named Stinky Lewis. We don't we don't spend. Do we spend time with Stinky Lewis? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think I so. Don't think so. Um, yeah, it, it just it just feels to me like maybe there were one, and I've said this before about the show, like one too many cooks, like like in the in the writing, to, you know, like adding in like no no we should add in these little booby traps he does, but the the twist is they're not really fatal. Oh okay, and then let's add in let's add in a lot of comedy about the um the 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 big gal who Corky's gonna marry, and and okay, well, give that to Steve, because he does great stuff like that, you know, and, and they, they, they parsed it all out, when it all came back, they were like, I guess it makes sense, who, who we're already shooting, so who cares, but it, it does it does really feel like, I, I, I kind of would like to see what the original script that was purchased looked like, if it was more straightforward, if it had more of a through line, and, and um, didn't get so cited in 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 so many different things that like I said by the time you get to the ending it's like oh that guy but you're kind of a little exhausted from all yeah. the back and forth but, oh yeah because we forgot about Jack's eye because they managed oh my gosh to, that's another to, that's another to huge get problem, to yeah. get that back from from the German guy who had it he mm-hmm. has his eye for like a brief period mm-hmm. and then they have to sacrifice it again to save Jake but again it's another one of those things that you just think it's this random bit of story and it does pay off at the end mm-hmm. but it just it not it I don't <laughs> like I, th- those, I think yeah I understand those that payoffs <laughs> should like feel more I guess cohesive throughout yes. the story as well. Like maybe if they had a different way to get them to that island to mm-hmm. do the death duel or whatever, yeah. maybe that maybe that was the problem is it's, that you had this highly comedic story. Because because the premise, if you think about what the the premise is, the the king of the island is wants Corky to do some work. He can't pay him, so he's going to let him marry his daughter. And then you see this lovely young gal who the German soldiers are maybe a little too close to. And uh, you know, there's a daughter, and and Corky's like, oh, okay, and and but then the next day he discovers that it's actually the other daughter who is a bigger girl, and Corky isn't as thrilled, and the wacky music that plays whenever she eats, and all these things, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if that would have been, it ain't funny now, I don't know if it would have been funny back then, um, and um, and 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 so 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 it relies upon him saying, oh sure, I'll marry your daughter. But then sending the wrong daughter and expecting them to come to return her, mm-hmm. and that seems like a really elaborate plan. You, you think they could have kidnapped Jake or something yeah. like that? You know, it's just Be- just just something a little some, something to give it a little more push than we have to return this girl because she's not the cute little one that Corky wanted, which, yeah. which just makes or- it kind of gross. Yeah, it is. It is. And what what would you have done if Corky would have said, "Oh no, I will marry her." Yeah, what if Corky was like, oh, wow, this is the one I really wanted. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. Oh, Corky's. she's even better. Yeah, we don't know, you know. And, 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 and Corky, at the end of the day, you know, come on, we all have times where we're feeling a little lonely, maybe feeling <laughs> a little bit of that, eh, 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 you know, you know what I mean, want a little, want a little bit of that, but don't, don't, don't take an arranged marriage like that for payment. <laughs> take actual, take actual currency. Don't yeah. do that. It's going to go wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they could have had something where they would have to have got, had gone to that island to get Jack's eye. 
Maybe that would have been that better. That could have been it, yeah. Because yeah. I did like the whole thing about them getting the eye from the Germans because the, that big old fight breaks out. Yes. And the dog steals his eye back. Mm-hmm. And even Gushy is in on that fight. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and they're just tearing up the bar and... Oh, it's it's a good fight. It's a good fight. Yeah, it's amazing. How many times that bar gets torn up? I mean, yeah. it's just like because he... you know Corky's fighting from behind the bar, just like hitting mm-hmm. people over the head with beer bottles, spraying them with the seltzer, you know, and yeah. then hitting them with the beer bottles. Yeah, yeah that it... was a great moment. Yeah, it was. It's it's a it's a fun it's a fun fight scene. It is nice to see a Jack with his with his eye back, and mm-hmm. yeah, tell him he looks good. Tell, tell him he looks. Oh my good. gosh! Oh, Sarah fussing over <laughs> him. Yes. Yeah. Very funny, very funny stuff. Um, but I, I would have, um, and and it, it is funny because there's one moment where he wouldn't, he he Jake would let him put the eye in because he's like, well, I gotta, I gotta sterilize. <laughs> Who knows where it's been? And Sarah's like, oh, and I'm like, well, yeah, you gotta sterilize it. It was, you know, hanging in that pendant around that sweaty German's neck for who knows how long. Of course, you're gonna sterilize it. You don't put that in your eye. You don't yeah. put anything in your eye. No, don't put anything in your eye if you, if you can avoid it. But if you're except, going to put something in there, wash it. Yeah, well, then except he, like, he he has Gushy boil it, and then he's, like, telling, he keeps telling Jack, you know, it's not cool enough, drops it on the ground when he gets caught in that other booby trap, and immediately after he gets cut down, he puts the eye back into to, yeah. uh, Jack's head because, um, so he didn't... He didn't like blow it off after that. He yeah. just kind of stuck it in there. Yeah, poor. He's walking around with I got a dirty eye. I got a yeah. dirty eye. But there's he some, kept putting it off. There's some. Do we, is there dirt in front of you guys? What's going on? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a weird episode because a, a whole lot happens. It reminds me of there's a BJ and the Bear episode from season one that I'm now forgetting the name of that has like it has skydiving and it has a carnival. And it has um, gangsters, and it just like it has everything, almost everything in it. It's got a, it's got a wacky like big boob secretary, uh, you know. It's got an old friend of BJ's who turns out to be, who turns out to be shady. All it's, it's got like everything you could want. Oh, it's got it's got a scene where they go a little disco dancing. It's got everything you could want from a show in 1979, and yet none of it quite connects at the end. And it kind of ends, and you're like, huh. Shouldn't that all have amassed into something? And it didn't. And that's kind of what reminds me of because they throw in everything, probably including the kitchen sink. I probably missed it. It was in there somewhere. Everything's in there, and yet it doesn't it doesn't cohere or coalesce into um anything more than um maybe if you saw it with commercials it would be better because then you you, you would think, you know, this isn't as exciting or as, as as cohesive as I thought it would be, but then there was that great commercial for Mountain Dew. <laughs> I really enjoyed that Hershey's commercial, and I, I and I am excited to see what Laverne and Shirley are going to be up to this week, having yes. seen the commercial. It's probably wrong network, but um, uh, <laughs> but um, but but yeah, it's it is it is it is a strange episode because um, everyone's giving it their all. Um, and at one point, I, oh, because I, I have it playing here. At one point, right at the end of the fight, when uh, Sarah walks in, and um, the fighting's over, and Corky has a beer, and he reaches in his mouth, and I think he pulls out a tooth, mm-hmm. looks at it, and throws it away. Yeah, it's just, it's just they're just teeth. Don't worry about yeah. it. Don't worry about it. They'll grow back. Yes. 
Uh, and so, um, so what else about this one? Because yeah, this one's kind of tricky because we we've kind of said that it has everything, but it it, then in the end, it doesn't quite have anything, and which is weird. Oh, and we missed the one other little bit that's going on in this is that Sarah goes to the island, and the only reason she goes is because everybody else doesn't believe that Jake has been seen. Japanese planes where he's been seeing them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for Sarah, because she says that there's supposed to be a base out there somewhere mm-hmm. that nobody knows, and she wants to get pictures of it, and he's like, it's probably camouflaged, so yeah. you can't get pictures of camouflage. That's the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the reason why she goes with him to the island, is to try to get pictures of the camouflage. <laughs> so she, so she's got this whole little bit in there, too. Well, the picture, And that's how it closes, actually. Yeah. With uh, with uh, well, what more do they want? Pictures. Yeah. And for yeah. a split second, I thought, what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's like just a little blip throughout the, it, the it, episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We actually are on the base taking one of the planes. It's um, you're, you're kind of. I, I was kind of trying to focus on what was actually happening between the two guys, while we're actually at the base. With the camouflage, so so it's sort of like they're piling all these things on, and it's like you got to where do I focus? You know, it's like watching a Zucker Abram Zucker film, you know, where someone's doing something in the foreground, something wacky's happening behind them. Where do I focus? Where do I go here? And um, I just wish they would have let um, Jack keep his eye. I guess that's part of the charm, though, is, is yeah. he has the patch, um, and that he's perpetually unhappy with. Yes, Jake for losing his eye. Mm. What did you think of of the duel? Because the whole vengeance thing. First mm-hmm. of all, uh, Jack or Jake didn't want to do it, mm-hmm. and wanted him. He he only was forced to do it because Sunteko threatened to kill Corky again. Yeah. They're besties, so he has yeah. to protect his bestie. Mm-hmm. But he picks planes to duel, yes. so they have to go steal the planes in order to duel. Yeah, that was I. I, th- <laughs> I thought you know what that that to me felt like a um. Uh, the the last guy who got added onto the writing pile added that one. Yeah. You know, like, well, well, don't just have them do it with swords or, or guns or something. Have them do it with planes. They're pilots. Brilliant! And they write it down. Where are they going to get the planes from? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I think we've already written something about planes in here. Let me flip through. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the, um, not the yellow pages or the blue pages, the green pages, the new one. Oh, there they are. Yeah. <laughs> So, I thought, that, so I thought it was scripts. the best part of the series or the episode, though, mm. was to have them duel with planes. Because... It, I mean, when they, when they actually do doing it, it's it's yeah. cool. But but it's kind of a again, and the it's fact a that they have to clunky. steal them to get them. Yes, and it, that, that's that's kind of was a nice moment too. Because for a brief second, I thought, I don't I don't think they're going to go through with it. When they're standing there, kind of stealing the planes together, and then they shake yeah. hands, I thought uh, maybe they won't go through with it. But then, of course, they do. And uh, and uh, for some reason, yeah, Jack's uh, Jack's eye is highly prized. I missed mm-hmm. why it was so highly prized. Did they say, or was it just we well, want his eye? It's it's a it's sapphire and an opal mm-hmm. oh, is what it's made out of. So mm-hmm. that's obviously why the high chief there wants it, and that's mm-hmm. and he'll only that's the payment he will take for sending his boats out to go get Jake, who's had to ditch into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a, a life preserver, so he'll either drown or be eaten by sharks. Yes. <laughs> and we've already seen how vicious these sharks are. Yes. Oh, yes, we have. Yeah. Yeah. The um, the, I mean, there there is something kind of cool about setting up the booby traps that aren't really booby traps. I kind of like that. There's, I do. The, 
I did like that too. I wish there were more of those. Yes, there was. It's almost like um, it's almost like something you'd find like at the end, like of a, of a Poro or something like that, where it's revealed that you know the the first three traps weren't actually traps. They look like traps, and then he explains how they are because it's intriguing to think. So the fangless, you brought the fangless snake in. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor Jack. Uh, for yeah, for like you like you know like you said for a second there, I was thinking, oh man, um. And I'm actually, that snake scene is on right now. He's shooting at the snake, he's shooting at the snake. Is that a different snake? That's not a real snake they shot, was it? I uh, hope not. Sh- I sure, think so. I, I wouldn't think so. It looked pretty It looked pretty real right there, but I, I'm sure it wasn't. It was, you, you just see it for a split second. And then he goes over to help. Uh, I was really hoping you'd see him sucking the poison out of Jack's paw. <laughs> That's, I know you're not supposed he, to do that. But he I has would, developed a taste for snake poison. You know what? I like it. I like it in the mouth. It's got a mm, cobra. It's a nice mouth feel. It's smooth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the python. It's a little sharp. It's a little sharp. You, you don't want you don't want it after a strong meal. Uh, um, so I'm, I'm trying to think what else on this one. I mean, I we've we've kind of jump through <laughs> mostly everything rather quickly here just just because that's the way the show does it that's the yeah. way the episode goes it it covers a lot of stuff fairly quickly and um yeah because it's almost like with some things like they could have you know they, they could have done a whole adventure off of you know returning the daughter and having something else happen and they could have done a whole different thing about the um you know the the guy coming back for the revenge. They could have done a whole other thing on the booby traps and another thing. They could have, but they all sh- they smooshed them all into mm-hmm. one. And um, that poor gal who plays the um, bride to be, I I don't want to I don't want to read what what they when they sent out the audition things what they were asking for. I don't want to know. I don't want to <laughs> know. I'm just I'm just it's it's. <laughs> It's a, you know, I love Corky. We all do, but come we on. We all do. But yeah, this yeah, was, I guess it, it was basically a 1982 fat joke stretched yes, it, for it, 35 minutes. For quite some time. Yes, and then whenever she cries, the world cries with her. And mm-hmm. she she just goes out and... I mean, the, 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 the only... um. The only uh, the only part of it that I found anyway amusing is the first time she breaks into crying, and everyone sort of for a moment is 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 you know sympathetic with her, but then after about ten fifteen seconds, the looks on their faces are sort of like oh wow yeah ooh that's a bit <laughs> oh, that's a bit. and so yeah it was it's uh, I would really love like I said to read the original script for this to see if it had the big bride to see if it had the booby traps to see if it had the hidden planes or anything like that. I mean, because to me, I would have almost thought that when they said planes, that he would have had planes there somewhere mm-hmm. on the island. You know, like, yes, I expected planes and, you know, something like that, you know. But, um, yeah. So overall, I mean, overall, overall, it's, a, it's an episode with a lot, it's a lot, uh, with a lot to like. But not a lot to love. Does that work? Or I maybe. Yeah, it's got its moments, mm-hmm. but overall, it's just meh. Yeah. I think. So, um, anything else on this one? Because I have actually gone through all my notes and talking quickly. Um, I just have a little bit of trivia. Oh please. Um, so the guy who played the the high chief there, Manu Tupu, and his uh, oldest daughter there, uh, it's Kanai Choi. They were both on Magna P.I., 
and so was Soon Teko. He played several characters, but one of the characters he played was um, actually the husband of the character that Marta Dubois played. So he played Gen- General Huey, who was married to Michelle Huey, uh, Thomas Magnum's love. So mm. I just thought that was interesting. Also, the director for this particular episode, Michael Viahar. I don't think I said that right. Um, <laughs> he directed multiple episodes of Magnum P.I., but my, he actually directed one of my favorites, which is Operation Silent Night, which is when they get crashed on a, a, um, a free fire island on Christmas Eve. It is hilarious. It's one of my favorite Christmas episodes ever. <laughs> oh, is it, I may have seen that one. That may have been one of the ones I've seen one year when I was trying to watch everybody's Christmas episodes. Yes, it's I probably, thought... yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite Christmas episodes. Oh, so that that is uh, honor thy brother. Um, uh, you know, not not the best, but um, watch it with commercials. Everyone, try that. Set up set up a set up a little side of commercials, and then when you see it get to the break and everything goes goes to black, um, watch it with a few minutes of commercials, and then when you come back to it, see what your thoughts are. I'm wondering if if it would if it would if it would make it better or worse to have the breaks every 12 minutes. Now I don't know. I thought I thought it would make it worse, but now I think it might make it better actually because you'd forget, you you'd see so many things in the commercials that when you came back to the episode and so many things were happening, it w- it wouldn't feel like that much of a jarring uh, sort of experience. I don't know. I'm making this up, folks. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't. Know. I'm trying. I'm trying to love an episode more than it loves me, and I don't know that that's going to happen. <laughs> So if that if that's all we have on this one, I I, I will ask you, Kristen, uh, where can we find you online? You can find me at akakikiwrites.com. It is the home of my podcast, Book of Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can also find me on my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want my bits and pieces, non-cohesive thoughts in real time, you can get that on Twitter at kikiwrites. Thank you so much. And this anniversary episode continues, and we are going to the Galactica, and we are going to the Rising Star, and we are going to spend some time with Starbuck and maybe his dad, Fred Astaire. Episode 15 of Battlestar Galactica, The Man with Nine Lives, January 28th, 1979. Written by Donald Belisario, directed by uh, Rob Holcomb. And this one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the other Queen Blast in a couple of moments because the thing that this one does is, I don't know if you all remember, but when the show started off, um, I didn't used to do the plot breakdown separately. 
we would generally try would trade off with the guest host we would do them and there'd be sound bites and um i would say hey how you doing do you want to do the blake breakdown and they do the breakdown and, and then we'd add the sound bites and it would it would and and sometimes it was great sometimes we'd go on too long um but one of the things is i i got rid of that because i thought episodes were running too long and i actually had a complaint from someone saying that the episodes were too long um, and uh, I tried to reason with them, but they couldn't be reasoned with. So I thought, well, what, what, what can we do to cut down on the episodes without removing the chat, which is the best part? Well, one, we could take out the sound bites. Uh, I, I love putting in the sound bites, but they take a lot of time to do, and they were easy to do when I only had one podcast. But now I also have the Happy Days podcast, and I have three minute by minutes going on at the same time here. So that's a lot of stuff to do. So, so um, the sound bites, and I'm having a trigger, trigger time getting good sound with the sound bites. So you would think it would be easier, but I'm, I'm finding it more difficult. So that's why I kind of got rid of the sound bites because that adds that cuts like. 10 or so 10 11 12 minutes off of an episode and then i just decided to do the plot breakdowns myself uh which can so sometimes our plot breakdowns would go on for five six seven minutes and i try to keep them very short and to the point but what i've done with this one is you will hear me um uh i'll uh introduce mr christopher bly um in this episode like i said the man with nine lives and uh, then Chris will basically go through the episode with me chiming in on occasion and um, kind of like old times. So uh, let's, let's listen and see how it goes. The Man with Nine Lives episode, who knows, of Battlestar Galactica. I'm sorry, folks, I have a bit of a cold this evening, but that, does, that isn't going to stop me and Mr. Christopher Bly from talking about this episode. Chris, how are you? Get me back in! It's so cold outside. I need, I need, I need some nine lives. Hey. And then there's a man involved. Look out, you cats! He thought, he thought it was going to be a different kind of nine lives related thing. Oh, and boy, he's pissed. Jeez, Louisa. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, f- first off, Mister, Mister, Mister Bly, how are yes, you? Sir. Uh, not too bad, not too bad. And uh, you know, wherever you guys are, whatever month it is, whatever week it is, whatever day it is. I think hello. I think I think uh, we are. This should be going up around July fourth. Ah. So if you love America, and I've had my doubts, um, you could give a cheer and and let it ring out. So so um, this should be around July fourth. This episode goes out. Okay, so pack pack up your troubles and. Join us on this Galactica cast. Yes, because oh, we're going to a place because these are a bunch of um, beautiful people in a bunch of ships who are traveling to us, and will be arriving at us in 1980. So, or as they like to call it, an indeterminate time. But we're getting closer. We're getting closer. We're yes. getting closer. We, we are. We are. We are definitely in the second half of the of the run of episodes here, and it's 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 kind of kind of fun to go into them here where. We aren't doing as many two-parters, and we're more single episodes, and, and just to see what we're up to. And here, of course, one of my all-time favorite people is in this episode. Um, uh, that is? Your, your big fat mama. No, I'm kidding, of course. BFM, back in effect, yes. I was actually going to say, um, uh, would you like to tell us what you thought of this episode and its guest star? It's a guest star. Well, I could say this much. Um, yes. Fred on this one, I feel like he channeled himself from either four or five years earlier. 
because it seemed to me like uh, it was almost as if his character from the Towering Inferno decided to go intergalactic. Yes, yes, yes. That's perfect. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it's, that's one way to put it, you know. And then, like I said, we start to learn about this one and shiftiness and a little bit of the con and a little bit of the untruth, but then there is truth. So it's kind of like meddling within the middle of, like, utterances between him. But um, mm -hmm. but uh, it's it's an interesting episode. Uh, we're on what I like to call the first half of the um, the Starbuck spectrum. Oh, Tell us all more. Well, oh, or, this, or unless you can't. Well, I don't we know. Go, he doesn't. We, share, he doesn't share with me beforehand, folks. Oh no, no. It's a, well, basically, <laughs> like I said, you know, we. This is the first of two episodes. Uh, we'll be dealing with the second one at another time. But the first episode that we're dealing, where it, the main focus is Starbuck, mm -hmm. on this one. And Starbuck, uh, he gets to have some of his favorite things. He gets gets to have his cigarillos. And he gets to have his gambling, and mm -hmm. he in in the this is when we last left you. We were we had be able to capture Baltar. Oh yes, yes, yes. And it is mentioned. It's also the first episode that we noticed that uh, Adama is going into Captain's Log moment of sorts. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, basically, and we're actually getting to see the words on the screen there. So for all you, uh, I guess from for the close captioning crowd. Uh, we actually got something that doesn't yes. need the device for it. We actually get it in green computer font mm -hmm. in the very beginning, probably within the first maybe one or two minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of get the idea of where we last left off and where we're, where we're at right now, at least in terms of this episode. And they're going on to this other uh, area, this uh, special lounge, if you will, um, uh, coming in there. And uh, it's uh, basically a gambling deck and uh, – Basically, Starbuck uh, wants to win over the trust of Apollo when it comes to a gambling table, because he has his worries, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, basically, you know, he comes across a couple of characters amongst this, and there were 12 sectars since Baltar surrendered, and we've got the mm. coordinates to Earth. Many Yarens left to go here. Many mm. Yarens, and there's no crochet involved. Just <laughs> But, that, but it's interesting because uh, we also get to see on an intro another transport with our uh, wonderful guest star, Mr. Fred Astaire. Yes. Uh, and uh, somehow there is news going on in the world. Yes. Yep. And we're getting our first glimpse of that. It's uh, like a meet, meet, the, meet the press with um, the Battlestar Galactica guys. Kind, kind of. of, but also I think it's kind of like what we should have seen. Uh, when we saw Jane Seymour doing her uh, little reporting oh, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. uh, during the pilot episode. Mm -hmm. But basically, we're getting to see it on a TV screen of what the hell's going on. <laughs> and uh, it seems like um, on that particular uh, newscast, uh, Starbuck was featured on there mm -hmm. as being the warrior of the centaur. And, um, and basically, you know, uh, Fred Astaire takes a little bit of notice and uh, is doing his little games of uh, let's uh, dodge the duckin'. Yes, yes, let's not pay our let's not pay our fare is basically what it is. And yeah. it also has a very key thing about recruiting a uh, a uh, re recruiting for the colonial. Oh uh, yes. So we have the recruitment from the guy from uh, that uh, little three D movie from the eighties there of horror that just happens to be a, a recurring yes. supporting person. Didn't exactly make it to the beginning of the intro with the faces and the name, but you know it's. But he, he seems mm -hmm. to pop up on there most episodes <laughs> so far. 
Yes. Is if you want to keep talking about the episode, that's great. Sure. I'm enjoying. Sure. I'm enjoying well, that. I, I, I think. I, I think. I think your description of the episode is better than mine. So well, I may okay. actually remove my description. Let's well, go I, back I, in time and see what I say. I, I gave you my ducket already. You, you did. I gave you. My, oh yes, you did. I love. I love it. He's he's so schmoozy, and mm. uh, he went. Well, he's Fred Astaire. You know, right? He's Fred Astaire, you know, he's the, oh, he's such a good guy, and maybe he might, you know, give us a couple of steps or two while we're at mm-hmm. it there. And then, yes. so he's headed, along with everybody else, to the Astral Lounge. And this Astral Lounge has some great disco music, and they've got a show going on, one that happens to attract the attention of Jolly. <laughs> yes, Jolly gets Astral really Lover. excited. He gets, he gets really so excited, he calls them food. Let's hope he doesn't go cannibalism on this here. <laughs> He, it's funny. Uh, the the moment you see the show he's watching, all I could think of was um, the initial episode of Buck Rogers, which aired, which was uh, aired in the theater. I think after this, I believe, and there's there's a sequence in that where where Buck is at um, uh, a dance and everyone's doing these ridiculous dances. And he goes to the guy and says, come on, give me something funky. And they do like disco and Buck comes out like doing disco. And now it looks really silly. But when you watch the people doing their dance in this episode, you're like, oh, okay, Buck was reacting to the silliness. Yes, it's like, dance. let's let's like, give it. Yeah, exactly. Buck can cut, Buck can cut a rug. Yes. Let's, let's face it. Please. Yeah. No, on, and... Gil, Gil Gerard, a living idol. If there ever is one. <laughs> True. Definitely. But we're, but we're on Galactica right here. Yeah, yeah at the moment, so, yes, yes. And they're having their wonderful bit of excitement and gambling and all that. And unfortunately, we see three hairy gentlemen come into place here. Oh, boy. That the names Taba, Bora, and Maga. They all known as, that's right, the Beryllian Nomen. Now, looking at this, it seems to me like they're trying to introduce a new foe other than the Cylons of sorts. And they seem to have a device. sort of. Yeah. Or just, just just hairy, I guess. You yeah, know, like, yeah. I guess I guess <laughs> to the true, a hairy guy. What is that definition in the just, dictionary? A just barbarian. Hair suit. The hair suit. Yes, the hair yeah. suit. And it, yes, and it, and it comes in stripes. Yeah, but yes. Um, <laughs> Precisely. And, uh, I'll lean back. You. you it seems continue. that these and it seems like these hairy people happen to uh, be kind of getting our uh, Fred Astaire, who, by the way, is uh, credited as Chameleon. They somehow happen to pronounce it Chameleon in this episode. Yes. Did you enjoy and, Did you enjoy that pronunciation? Because it got on my nerves after the <laughs> time. Well, they, they didn't put in their Shamalama Ding Dong. Their like, Shamalama Ding Dong. Yeah, no, I, I was... I, and they yeah. could have said, well, Happy Days is on the other uh, stage right yeah, here. Exactly. The more they pronounce his name, the more I thought... I should um, put my Blu-ray on Japanese right now so I don't have to hear them pronounce it. But also, too, it can also be defining of what we're going to learn about this character, too. Yeah, true, 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 true. So, and, uh, and and there's, there's, these guys are basically, they have this weapon that lights up and it's like, oh, they have to throw it somewhere and if if we can't deactivate it, if it does, it will explode. It's like a bolo kind of thing. 50 parsecs, you know, something. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the, you know, you have those like two snappy balls that you have there, and mm-hmm. it's like you know, like try to like you know with the with like the string, you know, you're trying to like, you know, just yeah, you know, like 
Yeah. And when they it's, hit it's, something, they 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 snap around the two the two ends, and yeah, the and ends it, explode. Yeah. More or less, it maims, but it doesn't like uh, kabooms or destroys. So it kind yes. of does, it's like it's like their phaser on stun, basically. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then basically uh, they use it, and it seems like the young one is a little, uh, little kind of—I uh, don't know if I could call him a, a silent hothead, but he just happens to be one. Um, yes. Yes. Whatever his name is, but they seem to be a, a race <laughs> of long talking speeches of the code. Kind of sounds like slowed down Charlie Daniels. Yes. Uh, for those of you who listen to the Devil Went Down the Georgia, it's like slow <laughs> exactly, down a little yeah, down, yeah. almost on that mode, and, and it, it's basically our, the way that our race happens to talk. Yes. And and the moment you see them, you think, oh, this won't be good. And and when they walk in the room, they immediately they don't go to an empty table. They push three people off of a table by staring at them, and you're like, okay, yeah, this is not this is not a these are not minglers. You're not gonna. You're not gonna see the bar going. Hey, baby, I'm a whatever warrior. You want to see my bolo? You're not. That's <laughs> not gonna happen. It's the. They they sit there. They're so still. They're so stoic. Have we haven't seen these guys before? Have we? We never have so far. You know. But okay. The, but but the interesting thing is that they just bring bring an air of the the Geico cavemen. You know, yes. So that's it. That's exactly right. They, they they look like the Geico cavemen who have lasted to whatever this point is and like slingshotted themselves across the universe. It's surprising uh, that you know. Well, they could have made a, a light up slingshot instead of the yes. one that they eventually used on this episode. Yeah. This is so, snappy balls. Snappy. <laughs> The, well, he they, he cannot deactivate his balls. They just grow bigger and bigger and then explode. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Hey, that's his problem. <laughs> throw him at the main support. That's like like when he says, just throw him at that support. And I thought, no, don't don't do that. Don't don't throw it at the support of the building. Yeah. But so it worked. So meanwhile, there's some gambling going on, yes. and it just so happens that you know that uh, Starbucks system, quote unquote, is working. You know, and so far he kind of is being the gambling scoundrel that we all know and love him for, and he's starting to do, kind of prove wrong the doubts that were in Apollo's mind. But in comes Shemillion to the table, and he says, well, I see your system, but you have one fatal flaw. And he says, well, you know, they may have this card. If there's that card, well, you don't want to be losing your money. Now, do you? Gives him the suggestion, goes through with it. Doesn't lose all the money. It's kind of a push, no win, no loss. And they kind of goes away saying, hey, you know, so they sort of strike up a conversation. And he talks about, uh, and then at some point, uh, Shemillion brings up the Radon Umbra, which is basically what made uh, Starbuck an orphan, which we learn early on in the episode during the television broadcast. And all of a sudden, there's a, there is an air that goes like, hey, Maybe this guy is my dad. It's like it's coming to that kind of vibe there. And of course, Apollo has to remind him. Well, remember the key thing on there is that he could be. Where I'm almost waiting for Bugs Bunny to be inserted. It's like, yeah, could be. <laughs> could be. <laughs> so there's that. So he basically says, well, we don't have the prop. They, I guess they have a system in there that they could use yeah, a DNA some machine. Sort of, yeah. And he's like, well, you know, uh, well, where I have to go is kind of, you know, but I, I'm pretty sure that the proper channels happen to be on the Galactica. So he basically yes. makes his escape with the two of them, as we start to find out. They go along with them on the ship, but once again, he has to go low face over at the other corridor because guess who he's passing? That's right, those no men. Yes. 
And they're almost sitting in the equivalent of a green room while yeah. dealing with the questioning between Boomer and Jolly. Mm-hmm. And they're not exactly getting clear answers, but, you know, they had to deal with uh, one of, the losing one of them, the young one. Because I yes. guess the adults have to also know and love. And it's like, well, we are warriors. And guess what? We are out for blood. We are on a blood trail, as they say. Yes, on the- yes. And, and so- you're on a blood trail after Fred Astaire. Come on. What would Gene Kelly think? Well, are they going to have an Astaire contest? You know, like where they're looking at each other? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd be and there. We, and I'd be there for that Astaire. The next, and before we move on to the next one, we find out that, you know, we see that Fred Astaire is kind of charming the pants off of a, yes. you know, kind of a pier. Mm-hmm. And ends up, uh, in that case, also, you know, they get into that kind of cosmic dance. And, of course, you know, Fred is not showing any fancy footwork as well. You know, as you not mentioned, really. Buck Rogers kind of did more of it. But just kind of like a, a hint, once again. Same guy that was from the Towering Inferno gives us a hint of dancing, but not giving us a full-on number. <laughs> yes. But yes. it's there. But it's there. Yes. It's there, and it's a stare, and it does count. So. Gin- Ginger would have uh, maybe approved, I think. I don't, I'm not well, sure. Well, this would be more like Ginger Ale than Ginger Rogers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Ginger Baker would have gone a crazy for it. Yes, but. and a lot, of, a lot of nice beats. But then out of that yeah. would basically be that the no men paid attention with that recurring commercial that happens on the television. That's yes. right. You can recruit to be a colonial warrior. And they decide they're yes. going to recruit to get what the hell is theirs. That's nicely done. That That's kind of snuck in. And when you see that, you're like... Oh, of course. Yep, that's why we saw that. Yeah, we knew there was a significance, and we didn't have to bring uh, Sidney Lassick in for that one, like they <laughs> no, did with that other movie. No, but, no, yeah. no. So, uh, so basically, they they do Cassiopeia kind of conducts the test of sorts uh, between uh, Starbuck and uh, Chameleon. Yeah, they have to go double S on that one. We wonder if that's going to hint. <laughs> and uh, it's just like, oh, you're related within 10 generations. So it's like, but, you know, we have to get a more accurate test of some sort. They have to do an extra extra kind of stuff. And then it becomes true confession time for Starbuck. Mm. When Cassie goes out, he decides he's going to say a little true confession moment with his possible dad about how he feels about Cassiopeia. Mm. Yes, he he likes her a lot. Oh, does she ever? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Right? I mean, yes. Come on. She was she she's not only like a doctor uh, at that time, but she was also like a very nice lady before mm. that. I'm yes, not gonna uh, I'm not gonna go in depth about what she was. Uh, it, it happens to go with uh, ending of the sentence of the evening. Yes, yes exactly. Precisely, a doctor of the evening. She is the best. Uh, yes, and she doesn't even live in Encino, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, where were you? You were. So no you, okay, yeah. so, so basically <laughs> after this test is done, it's like, oh, those are nice results, but Boomer needs to question Chameleon. Because yes. as he and Apollo suspects, something's a little up between these two. So basically they, um, they yeah, 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 yeah. So basically it's basic. so... Meanwhile, our two little no-men friends decide to do the recruiting and says, we need our ultimate, we need our, to go to our religion and in private. And they say, oh, well, you have to stay in your quarters. It's like, oh, you're going to deny us our religion? It's like the ultimate oppression moment between the no-men during the training. And uh, they will they, not be denied, so they, they leave them in the They give them a closet, room. but not yes. really. No, because guess what? You know, those no men have other plans and what in the back of the head? 
a Bronco to that. They don't even try the, the, the uniforms on, which is always surprising to me. You know, so we yes. couldn't get to see the, the fitting of the Nomen as colonial warrior. Yes. And, of course, he ends with the thing, as we said before, we are warriors. Yes. We know how to war. Reor. Yes. So we don't get to see. Uh, so basically it comes down to a, uh, a deck situation where uh, Starbuck and his supposed dead get to have a little talk and everything and they kind of infiltrate the space where they've been trying mm-hmm. to be looked for and they say we can't find anything and that's the other thing in the computer they say they see no mention of a chameleon so who is this yeah. person well mm. there is a name that they referred to him as captain dimitri yes and dimitri are, are not not just uh, the name of uh, my neighbor funny enough <laughs> uh, but also <laughs> hey, mr uh, and mrs dimitri yes but also uh, happens to be uh, how they identify this guy as. And he says, well, I am Captain Dimitri, sort of. Because mm. the key thing is sort of. Once again, we had, you know, you know, we had could be and sort of, you know, both of the same <laughs> thing there. And it seems that these guys are ready for action and are, yes. are throwing the the, the, uh, the string the laser string balls at the same time. The bolos. The bolos, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And uh, like I said, maiming but not hitting not destroying mm, yes. in any way shape or form almost kind of like like a like a like a geode kind of flashlight you know mm-hmm. and uh which is basically what it looks like when it, they're not using it you know yes. you see some of them have more on them than usual so you wonder it's like you know what what role playing game that they get to yes. earn this you know yeah it's 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 the great thing about these warriors is like when they when they show up at the restaurant or the restaurant or the club the it's lounge like, yeah the lounge they immediately push people off out of their table they sit down at the table, and then they see Fred Astaire, and one of them pulls out a lethal <laughs> weapon that has to be activated. And when I, I, I when when the guys come over and say, um, "You got to leave," they're like, "Oh, we shouldn't have even bothered trying to spend time with the other humans or the humans." Oh no, you don't. And oh, it's no, like no, yeah, and it's like no, no. Wait a minute, come on. Can we review your behavior? In the last five minutes, you broke about seventeen rules of the law. Regulations, you know. Yes, yes exactly. And... It's like, well, we shouldn't have come here. Yeah, well, you know what? You know, if if I showed up at a bar and set the bar on fire, and then you yes. threw me out, and as you were throwing me out, I said, I should never have come. You're right. There's no, there's no such have. thing as there's no such thing as lounge lockdown. What is this? Here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ex- exactly. So basically, so we yeah. come to this conclusion where as uh, Fred or uh, uh, Chameleon is sitting in the cockpit of the ship. We're going, oh my God, is he going to make his escape? Is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? No. What does he do? In the deck. While they're even on furlong, what, what is he doing? He figures out where the lasers are. And right, he go, and they move in right enough time for to into the deck, into the, into the uh, no men. And thus, by chance, saving the day at some point. Yay! Yay! But here's the thing: we get the results, Mm. but uh, but we can all see that they're kind of looking upon this guy a little doubtfully because he said, "Well, you weren't who you said you were, Mm -hmm. and we're not going to do anything serious. But do me a favor: get the hell out of here." You know that sort of (laughs) things. And you can see that it's kind of causing a struggle with Starbucks. Well, we do find something out. We find out not involving Maury, that yes, Fred Astaire is his father. But What? Exactly, but we don't, but 
Cassiopeia on the advice is saying don't or they go within both and the the understanding of I don't want to tell him because then it's going to open up a whole new, another can of worms. Yeah. Hence, giving Battlestar Galactica the Racer X syndrome from Speed Racer. Mm-hmm. Basically, that yep. For those of you who have ever watched Speed Racer, there's a character named Racer X, and what we what we know that Speed never finds out is that Racer X happens to be his long lost brother Rex. And uh, thus, like I said, we have a situation here where it's basically similar that we find out he is Fred Astaire's dad, but mm-hmm. in kind of a, a point of heated, uh, heated, uh, art, heated um, burdens and struggles and what have you, and basically seeing that he wasn't exactly telling the truth with a lot of other things and having some bit of truth in between that, he parts ways, kind of almost hoping, hey, Maybe sometime in the future we may see Fred Astaire back in the Galactica bunch again. Yes, if there kind of leaves there, an opening. Yeah, yeah. If there if there was a second season of the Travels of the Galactica, I feel like Fred Astaire would have been back. Although I, I don't know when he when did he pass? I, I feel like he passed on soon soon after this. Uh, he he. I think he lived well into like the mid eighties. I think. Oh, know, okay. Then he would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah, because so, I remember he was in like a Life magazine where they were showing all like the the living legends there, and he was mm-hmm. one of them. Oh, yeah, wow. it was. Yeah, and I, I remember what's his name, Alan Ludden, used to always talk about oh. him on Password Plus. Oh. He was like, oh, is it like one of the answers? Is it the new bridegroom? Let us <laughs> So, so, uh, uh, Chris, thank you so much for the. Uh, I think you covered everything. I don't just have about, much... and yeah, and this time around, uh, basically, Starbuck and uh, Fred Astaire got to have their freeze frame moment before we yes. get our gloriously narrated exit. By the way, also too to note, uh, there is no Patrick McNee intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're kind of past that now, you know, at this point. Yeah, think, and then just to note, uh, Lance Legault was uh, a character actor that we know happened to be one of these three um, gentlemen. And uh, also oh, special yes. note, and special note, uh, a soap opera actress uh, by the name of Leanne Hunley. She used to be on a bunch. I believe she used to be on Dynasty at one time, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Uh, and she also, for any, those of you who watch Buzzer or any of the Game Show Network, she pops up on Super Password every once in a while. Very oh. cute. Uh, she was on here as a female pilot. So, oh wow. <laughs> so blink and you'll miss. Find Leanne Hunley in this episode. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it, it's, it's one of those episodes where um. I love that Fred Astaire's on it. I love that they give Starbucks some sort of um, uh, back uh, backs backstory, as it were. But but in the end, there there's something about the episode. It's I I don't know. I, I find it a little clumsy or something. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's one yeah. way. If you look at the two part episodes, they had some development. Here, yeah. it's kind of like we got to clutter it all into one hour. It happens. It, it, certain things have to cut. It's also written by Donald Barrosario. Um, yeah. Who would, who would go on to? Uh, I I feel like, and you know, this will be note probably for the next episode as well. Donald Belisario on Galactica is, you know, for those two as Lawrence Kasdan was for the Star Wars series. And the fact is, we had to develop our gambling scoundrel here. Yes. And so as he wrote Han Solo, basically mm-hmm. Donald Belisario was writing for Starbuck. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a uh, it's it's an episode where um. There, there's a lot of it, it, it's one of those weird episodes where what it leaves behind um, with those warrior guys and Starbuck and his dad and um, is more interesting 
to the show than what it actually does. Yeah. Because because uh, to me the warrior guys kind of goofy a little yeah, bit they're, they're um, kinda, yeah well they're, they're hairy guys they're barbarians they're you. hairy guys and the and i will just say this and this is this is a very specific bleeding skull reference but the the young guy who keeps pulling out his bolos and i don't mean to say that he's reaching in his pants and <laughs> pulling um he reminds me of the i want to say the bassist from the Joe Banana thing, which is, which is which is a band from the movie Road of Death. Oh my God! R- Look Road up that one, guys. It's- yes, Road of Death is one of Rene Martinez Jr.'s three films from the seventies. Super mm. Soul Brother, which has a very wonderfully, um, I'm not going to say it, um, secondary title. Uh, uh, Super Soul Brother, The Man from Harlem, and Road of Death. Road of Death is a biker revenge film. And Road of Death stars uh, the two leads are um, uh, were uh, porno stars who were in Deep Throat, <laughs> and apparently their daughter is Thora Birch, uh-huh. who was in American Beauty and other films, um, and somehow is connected to Kevin Bacon. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. She probably pretty. Probably I would say less probably than that is, too, because I think she she might have been in a movie with him. Now that I think of it, you know, she, like she, the, yeah, yeah. And, and Road of Death, there there is a band in it called the Joe Banana Thing. It's set in Florida. <laughs> Who knows what the hell goes on in Florida? Are they in relation I, to I, the I, Banana Splits? I, band? I, I don't I don't want to know. You go down to Florida, I don't want to know. Unless it's the Coral Castle, I'm gonna or Vernon, Florida. I'm running away. Well, there's but, a lot um, of doors, so you got you got keys to Florida. Yeah, you can actually open it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but there, the, I think it's the bassist in this band and you see him quite a bit he looks a bit like a zombie when he plays if you look up road of death 1975 or six somewhere around uh, yeah joe banana thing you'll see the bassist and the bassist looks almost exactly like the young warrior guy and every time i saw him i kept expecting them i expected it, 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 it would cut away from them and it would cut back. One of them would have a mic. He'd be on bass, and the other guy would be on drums. Mm. And I just kept thinking that, and it didn't happen, which was mm. too bad. But the, but at the end of the day, um, Chris, your 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 um, uh, synopsis was fantastic. This is not a favorite episode of mine. I do like Fred Astaire in it, but I also think there's something about the fact that they do. He's a con man. Yeah, he so sees Starbuck. He's going to try to convince Starbuck he's his dad. It's like oh, like father like son, and but yeah, then you realize it gets with, weird. With, it's two right. lies and a truth, basically. It's two truths and a lie. Right yeah, there. it's it, and then it's um, well, it's well maybe he is his dad. Well, it doesn't matter if he's his dad. Oh, he is his dad. Well, don't tell him I'm my dad. He, I'm his dad. Okay, and it's like what you know because you because know, you get so many episodes of things like this where it's like. Oh, like an adopted kid, where it's like I'm the I'm the father, I'm the mother, whatever, and it's like it's it's well, a joke, it's it wrong. Could have, it could have led to a tragic episode where it'd be a very special episode where Starbuck would be in danger. Who happens to pop up for the stairs? Like, uh, son, I want to tell you something I haven't told anybody. I said you actually are my son. So I am here, your dad. Here's the thing. Well, you know, hey, if he goes into a mask, he could do a whole Darth Vader angle here. I was I was gonna say if if they had if if a droid was around. Starbuck could have pointed something at the droid and suddenly a little hologram of Fred Astaire would yep. have appeared and yep. says, Starbuck, I'm your father, and then vanished. And I'm your only but, hope. 
Yes, and, and, and yes. please, please, I'd be only hope. And then suddenly he would have done about 20 great steps up a wall. And, and with down. a vacuum, with a vacuum. Yes, and, oh, hey, hey. And, um, but it's it's an interesting episode because um, it's it's to me it's more interesting for what it may have portended if the show had continued yeah, it was for what of, it actually is. It's more of a, like a plant seeder because it was yeah, setting exactly. seeds that we, we could come back to this at any time mm-hmm. on a later episode. We're hoping that the, the show will go another yes. season. Let's hope, I mean, basically Sheba has been uh, reduced. A lot of them were reduced to cameos yes, in this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is God knows bad. we like to see more of Ann Lockhart as, is, uh, as always. Always, please. Yes. This is around the time. This is seven. She's she's about to appear in the, her two BJ and the Bear episodes. Ah, uh-huh. so. I knew it was going to come hey, up. Hey, Pogo Lil. Yes, take a shot. You know, and, and, uh, <laughs> okay. Also, by the way, just to give one last reference on this episode, uh, as we know, the intros that feature all these wonderful people, there is no John Colicos and there is no Noah Hathaway. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the last thing I will say after I just say, I think the episode is worth watching, but I also think in the, in the context of the show, it's 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 lacking because, like you said, it's a seed planter. Mm-hmm. And the seeds didn't continue, and we've had that before, like Manimal, and, and and other shows, you know, Masquerade. We've had shows where bits, even Joni loves Chachi. We've right. had bits planted where it's like they get cut dead, like the moment Joni doesn't want to be with the band anymore and goes back to Milwaukee. Everything that happens in Joni loves Chachi dies at that moment. Yes, and a lot more beer drinking, and also too, yes. uh, out of the blue, we'll throw that one in there too. Out of the blue, yeah. Here's the thing. We're, we'll, we'll be covering out of the blue before you know it, everyone. Aha! Uh, <laughs> I'm going to stop right there because I'm just going to say, um, oh crap! I was going to say it before we talked about out of the blue. I forgot what I was going to say now. But th- this is a this is um this is an episode. Fred Astaire is wonderful in it. It's very charming. But I, I I also think that the episode is a bit overdone. Yeah, well, in it's spots. Not the, not the strongest writing. Middle of the road. Not yeah. terrible, but not really one that you would say in your top five okay. episodes. But it's a fun cameo, and you're enjoying it for the fun of it. So yes, exactly. Exactly. And you're trying to figure out what these hairy guys are up to and things like that. So there's enough to carry you through. But if you're, if you're like we're doing, watching it several times in the context of the whole series, it, 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 it comes up a little bit, eh. And I just the last thing I gotta say is, although there, I'm watching this on Blu-ray, and those those warrior guys they aren't actually sweaty. Boy, they look like they should be sweaty. <laughs> oh my God, they look like they should be dripping in sweat, but they're not. Whatever they, what, whatever they have on them is keeping the sweat off. But it's like you guys should be sweating. <laughs> They should be sweating more like Ted Stryker at airplane. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Just dripping. Like, it should be pouring off of it, their faces. Um, but it's not. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this one right here. Because thank you so much, Chris, for, for leading that one. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, I enjoyed hearing someone just um, describing it better than I could. Thank you so much. Um, what, what do you? What's going on? There? So this episode, like I said, this episode is going around July fourth. What's going? Twenty twenty two, everyone. So so what do you have going on? 
Uh, what do I have going on? I've got uh, Facebook.com slash Captain Bly. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Captain Bly76, also on Twitter. And we have, during this, this wonderful summer, 100 movies of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We started it on the day before Memorial Day, and it's going all the way to Labor Day. Each day is either going to be a movie of the 70s, 80s, or 90s, and we don't replicate and uh, we've had some a lot of good first views uh, going on. Uh, they're not exactly summer movies, but very distant. Um, we have a very special one that's going to be happening on July 4th. It is going to be of the 80s. And um, uh, it's kind of a combination of a, of a few movies uh, that went on in that decade, but, you know, in one movie. And, oh, and also I could, I could tell you, it's a Disney movie. Hint, hint. So there you go. So that's going to be what to look forward to. And keep track of us. All throughout the summer on Instagram, check out the Instagram stories. You'll find out each day what movies have been featured. You also go on to Letterboxd. I'm also on there at Captain Bly 76 where you can read the reviews, even if you don't have me on Facebook. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, <laughs> everyone, be good to yourselves. And uh, we are going on to what are we going on to here? Let me look. Oh, I think. Oh, I think it's time for more middlemen. <laughs> Middleman, Episode 2, The Accidental Occidental Conception. Directed by Michael Zinberg, written by Sarah Watson. Original air date was June 23rd, 2008. Uh, and in this one, uh, the middleman and Wendy are trying to stop a terracotta warrior who, um, who wants to take the last living heir of the Qin Dynasty to the land of the dead, which will release a hail of fire um, that will rain down on Earth for a long, long time. Uh, and they get help from there's a great uh, there's the fashion uh, fashionista Roxy Wasserman who's a reformed succubus and all her employees are reformed succubi and they were reformed incubus uh, as their photographer and because um, they they have to um, um, uh, Wendy and the middleman have to eventually make a trip down to the underworld to save uh, this young boy and um, a lot of other stuff happens including um. Lacey, Wendy's uh, roommate, getting involved uh, because Roxy works in fur and Lacey isn't too happy with that. I'm not going to go too far into it because we, um, we, uh, we, we talk about it a lot. So, uh, so, so yeah. So, so Chris and I are on the other side of this, and um, I like, I like the, 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 the what this one is. We, now, this was actually the the previous middleman. We did this too, but this this goes back to um, the police squads. We did police squad with Rob Kelly, where we desperately tried not to make them all about Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and and Man to Man with Dean Lerner with Gore Blimey are also examples. We tried desperately not to make them about just us listing our favorite jokes. But it kind of becomes that. But I think it's also kind of fun. So let me get you the blast, and we will do the third and final segment of this episode, uh, The Middleman. The Accidental Occidental Conception, Episode 2 of The Middleman. And I am here with Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. Kiki Rice. Kristen, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well for living on an earth made of a lot of earth. How are you, Dan? <laughs> I'm doing all right, Dubby. Uh, what did you think of this episode? <laughs> Of the I, <laughs> I really liked it. I mm -hmm. thought it was pretty entertaining, um, considering we're battling it 
a terracotta, a literal terracotta warrior, <laughs> yeah. an earth elemental, and we get to be introduced to reformed succubi. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> And, and there's an incubus in there too, although they don't call him that, do they? No, they don't. I don't think they ever call him an incubus, but that's what he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, and then you have like two, you have like a couple different like subplot things going on that all get tied up at the end, which you aren't sure that they will, but they do. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just never a, a never a wasted moment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I thought this was a lot of fun. I'm really sorry about your parentage, Duncan. Oops. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was great. That scene was great. That, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Were you, were you finished? <laughs> no, I was going to ask you what you thought. I, I don't, you, you know what was weird? And the same day I watched this, I've been re-watching Seinfeld. Now, I never actually watched Seinfeld all the way through when it was originally on. There was only one season, the sixth uh, 94, 95, when I watched it religiously. But I did watch it on and off, and it made me laugh, and I've been watching it since the start. And the same day I watched this episode, I watched the episode of Seinfeld called The Chinese Woman. Now, I don't know if you know that one, but it starts off with Jerry calling George, and he gets a woman, I want to say her name is Debbie Chang, on the phone. And there's a there's some problem with the line, so he says, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, Miss Chang." Um, uh, I, I some and, and then he hangs up, tries again, and it's her again. So he talks to her and makes a date with her, and everyone's like, "Ooh, yeah!" And he's like, "Well, I like um I like Asian women, and so this is going to be great." And then he's sitting at and and she and she picks a Chinese restaurant, which they thinks is a little weird. Why would the why why she pick a Chinese restaurant? And he's sitting waiting for her, and this very blonde woman comes up to him and says, Jerry? And he says, yes. Jerry Seinfeld? Yes, yes. I'm Debbie. And he's looking at her going, you are? Yeah, Debbie Chang. No, you're not. And she says, yeah, well, originally our family's name was Debbie Changstein. But it, we're now Debbie Chang. And so, and so throughout the episode, there's this weird thing where she's Debbie Chang and everyone thinks she's going to be Chinese, but she looks like, she looks a bit like Lacey, almost. And so when I watch this episode the same day and they go to the the, the 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 emperor of the Qin dynasty and he's this little white kid. I was like, hey, there's some kind of pop culture thing like intersecting in my house at this time, which is pretty cool. But the, the episode is the episode is fun. The episode is sharp. There's um, there's um, I, I never laughed, never thought I'd laugh so hard at a simple line like a terracotta roof, which I just <laughs> Which just, <laughs> just made me laugh. Um, the succub- the succubi running the fashion stuff uh, is great. The leading the leading lady is fantastic. I'm not normally like they mentioned sort of the devil wearing product kind of thing. I'm not. That's not my kind of thing. That kind of stuff annoys me. Um, but I really like this. There's something about the fact that they're all succubi, reformed succubi working with an incubus who's their photographer that I find very amusing. And again, I mentioned this last time, this is on ABC Family. The the succubi they they they, they come, you know, they, they come to men at night and they seduce them. And that the incubus do the same incubi incubi yeah, do the same with the women. And I thought this is this is a this is the I like like we said last time, I don't know what the demographic of ABC Family is, but I want to hang out with some of those families. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, again, it's a sharp episode. It goes like it goes. It has a great, um, great scene where they go to the underworld, and it has little little bits like um, we're going to beat the bad guy to the underworld because he's ancient, and they 
um, they when they go to the underworld, they follow a certain path that's like a super windy path. But we have a new path, which is just a road that goes straight there. I was like, oh, okay, we can get you straight there. And there's all these little moments like that. I I almost I kind of missed that the first time when there's when she's showing them the map of the under how to get to the underworld. I thought that's a very funny map. Where would you have that map? <laughs> and where would you? And don't they have like a big cutout of the terracotta guy? Or something yeah. that they maneuver around the map, and I thought, where are you getting that? That's like in that's like in the movie Top Secret when they're outside the um, the prison, and they they begin to show how they're going to break into the prison, and it starts off with like just like someone moving like a little cow, and then there's a little guy action figure, and then all of a sudden there's a fence, and then all of a sudden there's this gigantic model they built of the prison. That you that that's just where the hell did they get that from? And it's it's great because when you see that map, that map made me laugh very much when I saw it. Well, there's a lot of great stuff. Lacey does some fun stuff in here. Um, uh, and, yeah, there's just, there's a, there's a, I do, I do love when they go in the underworld and um, it's, it's kind of like a ugly office building hallway. And I forget exactly what the, um, I should have written down. I, I did this last time and I meant to do it this time. I meant to write down some lines, but there's just a great moment where, um, where the middleman is something like, what, you see an office building? You don't know, I see a field. And I see, ooh, there's a feral rat, or feral something like that. Rabbit. It's yeah, a rabbit. feral rabbit. And then I forget what what he says, um, really, you see that? No, I see an office building, too. <laughs> and, the, and then the guy at the counter guarding all the files of the dead, he is hilarious. <laughs> he, is, he is so bitchy. I loved him. <laughs> so great. Uh, um, she's like, she's like, I know you're dead, or she goes, I know you don't have any emotions because you're dead. And I'm thinking, no, he has no emotions because he's working customer service. <laughs> yes, exactly. In the underworld. I mean, that's got to be right. I mean, that's a hell, right? Wouldn't yeah. that be? Yeah, like, that's a hell. It's bad enough that the underworld is literally like a giant sort of office building, um, which makes sense. Yeah. But uh, what what else? What else? Um, what else do we have here? What do you think about, about Lacey in this? Well, okay, they start off with Lacey in jail for her because she's a protest spoken word performance artist yes. or confrontational pro, uh, <laughs> spoken word performance artist, and she gets thrown in jail for being nude in a sushi restaurant protesting yeah. mercury and tuna or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> I can tell that I'm old because she because. Wendy was upset because she had to get up in the middle of the night to come bail her roommate out of jail again. And her roommate's like completely unfazed by this. And she's like, yeah, this is annoying. This is Mm -hmm. aggravating. And I'm like, I'm on your side, Wendy, because as someone who's been made responsible for other people's actions in the past, (laughs) this, I find this grating. Yes. Next time you're just going to sit there. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to be nude in jail. Yeah. And, and, and Lacey says something like, well, you know, I don't, I don't complain when you're painting late at night. Yeah. But you don't have to grease the police afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and I, I love the, um, I don't know who the actress is, but the actress, who the 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 cop behind the desk, who <laughs> Wendy is trying to, she has just yeah. one of those great, great. She actually she reminds me of in the um, the Tick episode where the Tick has to get his hero license. There's a great woman named Thelma, who just sits there just looking at the Tick the whole time and say, "Hello, Thelma, how are you today?" And she's just <laughs> staring at him. And that's she. This kind of woman has that same feel where she's like, she's a little bit imposing. 
but she's got that don't hand me the sass look on her face and Wendy's doing her best to just like come on just let her out like come on apparently she's had to do this a lot and then Nozer comes in and and um they do get her out of there and then and then things go a little crazy after that so yeah and i do like that you know it sets up okay here's this fight that Wendy has with Lacey mm-hmm. and it's on her end, the middleman keeps keeps bringing it up as a distraction. It's distracting mm-hmm. her focus. Yes. And you think, okay, that's all that it could be. Except on the flip side, you have Lacey decide she's gonna go when she finds out that she's that Wendy's working for Rocky Roxy Wasserman. She decides she's gonna go throw fake blood all over the place, and then she goes and she ends up inadvertently getting a job <laughs> for the succubus lady. Yes. And. <laughs> She's making a water elemental to defeat the terracotta warrior, and Lacey ends up inadvertently sabotaging the elemental because she doesn't use bottled water. Yes, yeah, she's just tap water, which screws it all up. And she ends up getting fired, and, you know, it, but it's like, and then they end up, of course, making up in the end and mm. handing out fur coats to homeless people, as you yes. do. Yeah. But it's like, that could have just been like a one windy note thing that she's mm-hmm. constantly being distracted by the the fight that she had with Lacey, and instead they gave Lacey her own little line that intersected. Yes, they Wendy's. weave it, it. They weave it in there really nicely. It's yeah, really, and, it, and it doesn't it doesn't feel overdone. It feels it all it all comes and like the point where they go to uh, the middleman and Wendy go to the house of the emperor of the Chin Dynasty, yes. and Lacey is there with this little bottled water in the bag, just like like turning up her nose at Wendy don't talk to me but then you know she thinks that the middleman is sexy boss and the middleman likes her and you know and, and she's giving and the, the middleman says it's his toner <laughs> yes that's right it's a, you know the because skin is the yeah. yeah skincare is important <laughs> uh, yeah it's good they they really do a nice job of of weaving anything in and it doesn't it doesn't feel cuz cuz sometimes in more modern shows when they do something like this it feels a bit um it feels a bit over. It could feel a bit overwritten. It could feel a bit almost like, like oh, okay, yeah, you could you could see that was going to happen or whatever. This this is a little more. Um, it's a little more fun, I think, and and that's what like when she, when when like when Lacey becomes the assistant, it's one of those things that once you start, she's like she's going to end up the the assistant. And I love the way um this, she fires her previous assistant who's standing right there. <laughs> Like with the clipboard. <laughs> and it's, well, it's first just... someone has to remind her that she already has an assistant, yes. <laughs> and then she fires her. And it's 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 really nicely done. And there's just and the terracotta monster is is just crazy enough. And when it when it slimes them, in in that one scene where it just it just cuts to, uh, the yes. middleman is like falling on top of Wendy, and he's like 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 um uh Bill Murray in, in Ghostbusters, except with terracotta or mud. He's just slooped over in mud. And it's just, it's funny. It's good. Yeah. Um, Especially oh. when the parents kept running and go, "Where? What happened to our son? Where's our son?" And they're like covered in terracotta <laughs> yes. <out of> goop. <laughs> and I, I love, I love when the the mom says she gives her sort of passive aggressive reason for why she might have slept with someone. I forget what her line <laughs> is. It's something like, well, maybe she did that because she has a husband who never reminds her of how beautiful she is. Or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that couple's going to have something to talk about. And then, yeah, and then, and then the dad, like, leaves, and the kid is like, Dad, wait, I'm being hunted. <laughs> I'm going to need so much therapy. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
um, I just, um, geez, like I said, I didn't write that list, but I just had one in my mind that I've now completely forgotten. I'm sorry, everyone. There's a lot, again, there's a lot of great lines in here. There's a lot of sharp dialogue, a lot of back and forth, a lot of fun. Oh, there's the great stuff with the, um, when Wendy goes to the office and she's looking around, like, what, what are you looking for? Oh, she's looking for coffee. And then, um, and, and then I, I, and, and middleman kind of looks at her and something, uh, you know, um, and says like, oh yeah, bloodshot eyes and, you know, pale skin. You know, so I, I forget what he yeah. describes her as like, she doesn't look well. And I forget what Ida says, but it's something like she's been, you know, um, she's been token on a spliff all night long or something like that. <laughs> I mean, yep. She's token on a spliff all night long. And she gives, okay, 3PO. Yeah. And I think it doesn't Ida, isn't she a coffee machine too? Yeah. She, cause she makes a Wendy a cup of coffee and she goes here junkie I like watching you get in the shakes <laughs> yes, that's right. the fiend what does he call the, the cafe like the fiend or the what, yeah. what does he call the fiend <laughs> like look you're, you're, you're tired you're, you're tired you're distracted you're, you're on caffeine you're on, <laughs> up on the caffeine here maybe you should stay back maybe you should... yeah uh, let's see what is oh and they do, do they, they do a great very sort of um, almost like uh, police squad style gag where um, they go to the Chinese restaurant that gets covered in mud and they <laughs> they ask them they uh, they don't realize there's been a murder or something and they they ask about it there's a murder and the cop turns and points and there's just this deluge of mud and just two legs sticking out of the mud just like comedy legs yeah it's very much so on the same vein of the of middleman going in unarmed and dumping just yes. weapon after weapon it's that kind of visual yeah. sight gag that should be wrong it should be too much uh-huh. and yet it plays perfectly and, they, and throughout the and throughout the scene as you're seeing pictures it's, it's great because this guy had this terracotta statue thing which has come to life and is now hunting down this kid and you get a wall of photos like you do in a lot of restaurants with like pictures of famous people or like the owner standing with famous people. But all the photos are of people standing with the terracotta warrior. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd love to think that that's like the crew. And they just yeah. did a day where like, OK, Steve, stand with the warrior. Jenny, come on over. Stay with the... And they just put them all up on the wall. But and in the background the whole time, there are two legs sticking out of the mud. And the whole yeah the whole time they're they're investigating there's these two legs yeah I love that just uh, randomly in the background oh yeah it's something it's a psychic that should be too much and yet yeah, it's not it's it was, perfect yeah. yeah and and uh, uh, Wendy has a great moment right before the terracotta roof line where they're playing uh, was it Red Rover and, yes. and 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 there's and he's standing there looking at this row of kids and this other row of kids it's like hmm where would Duncan be because the emperor's name is Duncan. And Wendy says, wait a second. She stands up. Red Rover, Red Rover, send Duncan over. And then all of a sudden the kid takes off running. Says, there he is. <laughs> yeah. She's like, that, that's why you brought her along. She does, she does the good work. And I don't um, think they play Red Rover anymore. I think the, the injury rate's probably too high. Probably, yeah. At yeah. least when I played, it was a full contact sport. It was full contact. It was like if you, you know, if it was going to be a rough day of Boy Scouts if, if like, because uh, we, we, our Boy Scout meetings were two two hours long. And for the last half hour, we usually go up to the gym in St. Margaret Mary School and play something. Um, and it, it was going to be rough if we either did Red Rover or Dodgeball. Oh yeah. You knew some of the little kids were going to go down in pain. <laughs> uh, 
and uh, I, I I was always good at dodging. I was I was I was decent at catching, but you know those balls they use those like those red those big like red rubbery balls they hurt when they hit you in the arm. Yeah, yeah it hurts, and sometimes they were kick you kickballs. Yes, exactly, exactly. They were kickballs, and you throw them at each other. And there was always that one big kid who would just like stand up there, loom over you, and pop you right in the head, and you drop to the ground. And the Cub Scout masters would come over and say, "Budnick, don't be a pussy. Get out of here." <laughs> And I said, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Forgive me. And usually that kid was like the Cub Scout Masters, like his son. So it was like, well done, Mark. Get the little ones first. It's like, okay. Okay, thank you, sir. <laughs> you'd, you'd struggle off. And then sometimes if you got lucky, they'd laugh and throw a ball at the back of your head when you were walking away. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Gosh, wow. Gosh. Okay. So, so what else on this one? I'm, try, I'm trying to think. I mean, it is like the first one. It's filled with a lot of stuff. It moves the characters along a couple beats, which is nice. You get a little bit more with Lacey. You get and and like the stuff with Lacey and Wendy, where Wendy's like, I, tr you know, Lacey does this stuff. It's crazy, and I try to talk to her, but I always end up sounding like my mom. Yeah. And 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 she really feels bad about it, and um, and uh, it's. Again, very, very, very sharply written. Very, very well done. Uh, what else do you have in this? Any more lines? Feel free to throw another line or any well, anything else here. Yeah, let's talk about Roxy because I love her. And mm, yes, yes. she's, you know, running this fashion house with an iron fist, truly. But at one point, she's looking at something and she's like, hate it so much, I want to gouge my eyes out. Hate it so much, I want to gouge your eyes out. <laughs> And then like that, that like this sort of the opening thing where they're all the all the models are there and she says, Oh, this is terrible, I hate it and so then the incubus is like, What's your idea though? Is this is your this is your thing? And he's like so so completely like not of either offended or afraid of her. Yes. Because he's just like, Yeah, this is your idea and she's like, Well, I hate it and he's like, Okay, whatever. Yes, yes. <laughs> you get the feeling probably he's he's if he's the only incubi incubus there. Maybe he doesn't. Um, he's not because he because he talks with Lacey and kind of flirts with Lacey and they kind of flirt back and forth. And you're like, yeah, how does a how does a reformed incubus flirt with the lovely young lady? I guess very carefully. I guess yeah. would be the answer to that riddle. In a way that uh, does not suck out her soul. Yes, exactly. Precisely. I mean, we've all seen the incubus with John Ireland and John Cassavetes, and we know what happens. Mm -hmm. When the the incubi go crazy, but this this I love the fact that it's just this charming fashion house filled with um, and I like too that when Lacey walks in, she walks in and says to two of the succubi, "Where are the furs?" And they yeah, come this way, and they just lead her. It's like, hey, we're all having fun. Yeah, we're all you must belong fun. here. It's fine. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let me see, what else do you have on this? I think that's all I I, I I'm gonna give on. Um. Oh no! Well, let's talk about a little bit more about the underworld aside from my favorite oh, yes, Infobias yes, yes. guy. Is that <laughs> so? The whole reason because Roxy says that Wendy shouldn't go with him because she's like her roommate, vapid mm -hmm. and useless, and um, he says no, I have to hold this the sky, so she the has sun, to yes. hold the water bomb. Mm -hmm. bomb. And they get down there when Wendy realizes the uh, the info desk has the records of the dead. She tries to find out about her dad because we yeah. learned in the the first the pilot episode mm -hmm. that her father disappeared while flying his DC three in mis under mysterious circumstances, mm -hmm. and you kind of get the idea that that's going to be a recurring theme throughout mm -hmm. 
So she has this opportunity to try to find out what happened to her dad. Meanwhile, the middleman just goes off thinking she's following him. <laughs> oh, yes. And goes to confront the terracotta warrior and then realizes that Wendy has been left behind. <laughs> yes. And she, her trying to get the guy to help is mm-hmm. just absolutely hilarious because at one point she pulls out one of the weapons and he's yeah. like, he starts, he goes, oh, and she goes, yeah, you're already dead. And he's like, yes. <laughs> she's like, but you're funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and what what is her dad's name? Is like it's not John Watson. I it's forget like, what her. It's Steve something Watson, Bob like Watson, Peter Watson, or Peter something Watson. Like that. Oh, Peter Watson. That should be no problem. That's a great. Anyone else like Joe Smith? I could yeah. look up for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not inconvenient at all. Oh, yeah. he's great. He's really, he's really <laughs> but great. then he he does help her out and. Unfortunately, it comes right down to it. She runs up when she has to. Yeah, they have the to middle save man the starts day. yelling yes. for her. Yes, yeah. and she never does find out about her dad. So yeah. it's I kind of like the ending because obviously we knew that because she was getting aggravated with the middleman, always saying that she needed to focus and put things off and mm-hmm. everything like that. And he was kind of scolding her about the fight about with Lacey. But um, when it comes to the end, and he's talking to her. Doing a post-mortem, as yes. he says, <laughs> yeah. and says that, you know, she goes, I know I got distracted by that. And he goes, well, there's being distracted by little things like, you know, fights with your roommate. But, you know, some things you're going to carry with you always. Meaning, yes. And he so he wasn't he it's just interesting because I guess he could have been like really pissy about mm-hmm. her falling down on the job. And instead, he was incredibly understanding. Yes. About yes. it. How how often how often are you at the front of the records room, of of the underworld, and you need information? And so, you know that's how often does that happen? I would say for me never, but I hope no. springs eternal in the Budnick house. <laughs> that one day you will meet yeah. a house, a fashion house run by a reformed succubi who will open up the the path <laughs> to the underworld, so you can get down there and talk to that guy, he was and great. maybe find out those records. <laughs> I do like when they um. Uh, when they leave, the first thing he does is he begins to straighten everything on the desk. You just see yes. a brief shot of him stapler and this. And well, when, when middleman's ringing the bell to get his attention, he's like, the service here has really gone to pot. And then the guy comes out and grabs the bell and he's like, can I help you? And just throws it in the <laughs> ground. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm going to just scan my notes one more time because I think – I mean, I could throw out some more fun lines, looking for yeah. Duncan and, and a lot of like. No, I, do I like, think I do like the way they're dressed to go to the underworld. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they come back, Roxy's like, "I need some chocolate, the good kind." <laughs> the I, 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 I the, there, there is there is a fun one of those rapid fire scenes where like Ida and the middleman are talking about what they need to do when they go to the underworld, and it's like, well, we we need to do this. What's that? And then we need to do that. What's that? And then, what, what is that? What is that? And they're they're saying all these things, and then we need to get the scythe. What's that? The scythe of Avalon or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's the question you answer. Yeah, I love that. Uh. Oh, that's great. Uh, so um, I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say any more lines again. This episode I think stands up to the first episode very strong. Um, and uh, if you have, do you have anything else on this? Well, um, I think it's worth noting that maybe uh, Roxy's such a good succubus because 
it's she's played by Elaine Hendricks, mm-hmm. who was um, Alexis Carrington in the New Dynasty oh, TV show that wow. I think just got canceled. Uh-huh. And yes, um, um, she was also the gold digging almost stepmom in the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap movie. Oh. So she was fully prepared to be yeah, a convincing reform succubi. She, she's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she is. Uh, so, um, so, uh, yeah, if, if, if you don't have anything else, nope. and again, again, folks, this is one of those things like back in the day when Rob Kelly and I did Police Squad, we could yak about our favorite, and we did for long periods <laughs> of time. Like, like you all like are just sitting there going, gosh, I, I want to tune into some, high quality discussion and just hear them name their favorite jokes. Wow, that's good stuff. Thanks, everybody. Woo, that's that's And why you know doing. what? I actually enjoyed listening to you guys go back and forth oh, about you. your favorite jokes. Thank you. Yeah. We were it was you know as far as police squad, you know, and and um and, and one of those things I learned was how much Rob loves Nordberg in the original police squad, who's played by um the big beefy guy from Mission Impossible. I forget his name. Um but uh uh but he's hilarious in there. And um Especially that one time he gets what does he he accidentally inhales a bunch of cocaine or something like that, and so he's in the background of several shots when Leslie Nielsen and, and his his boss they're trying to do something. He's in the background. Woo! Was it Peter Lupus? Peter Lupus, yes, that was it. Yes, yeah, he was very good. He was a very good Norbert, especially when they opened the key shop. The key. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, hey, you. I want to talk to you about your little key store. What about my little keyster? No, <laughs> key store. Well, and, of course, with the famous line, who are you and how did you get in here? I'm the locksmith. And I'm the locksmith. <laughs> but that's Police Squad. That's another thing. That's way back. That's like episode, um, I think that's like episodes 19 through 24. So you got to go something like that. You got to go way back for that. But yes, this is the middle back, man. Relive. Yes, go back, relive, enjoy. Um, so where 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 are you online? What's happening? Uh, you can find me at akakikiwrites.com. It is the home of my podcast, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can also find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want any real-time fashion advice, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at kikiwrites. Bam, bam. And that's it, everyone. The end of episode 130 of Adventure Super Train's six-year anniversary show. So glad... Uh, we could uh, still be going, doing all this stuff, and talking and talking and talking. We never run out of stuff to talk about, which I'm glad, because one day I'm always afraid, halfway during a call, halfway during an episode discussion, I'm just going to be like, I got nothing. I'm I'm done. Wrap it up. Bring on Super Train. You know, always standing by. Always standing by. And, uh, yeah, so so we'll see. We got, um, yeah, more fun shows coming up in the future. Uh, we might have a bit of the next one coming up. Might be a bit different. And then one after that might be a bit different. Or they might not. Oh, you'll hear them and not realize that they were different at all and forgot that I had said this right here. But um, So, uh, Addy Supertrain 1 on Twitter. Eventually Supertrain on Facebook. Eventually Supertrain.blogspot.com. Uh, that's the, the main blog where you can connect to everything. We're on Stitcher and uh, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And, yeah, that's, that's about Danny Slacks at Yahoo.com if you want to shoot me an email there. And that's uh, that's me, everybody, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, and uh, I hope you'll come back for more. And, uh, yeah, next time, uh, more Battlestar Galactica. I, I forget what happens. Oh, murder. More middleman stuff. Oh, this is a wacky one. And more uh, gold monkey. What's the gold monkey? Oh, 
Oh, I hope thee joins us for thy episode of Gold Monkey. So um, thanks again, Kristen. Thanks again, uh, Christopher. And uh, listen to this. (laughs) 